Well, our text for this Christmas Eve are those well-known words from Luke chapter 2. But here as we begin this evening, I want to begin this way. It's something we did a couple of years ago. I wanted to do it again tonight. I want you, and you can participate if you're at home as well, but I want you to repeat after me, repeat what I say after me. I want you to do it with enthusiasm. I want you to be loud here. So here we go. Merry Christmas! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! The sermon better be short! The sermon better be short! We want to light our candles! We want to light our candles! Seriously, Pastor, make it short! Seriously, Pastor, make it short! Wow! <laughs> Some of you really, really got into that. Kind of hurt my feelings just a little bit. A little bit. Here we are, it's Christmas Eve. The world is still crazy, busy season, busy day Christmas Eve. But can we at least pause for a moment? We'll get to the candles. Some of you will lead a rebellion out of this room if we do not get to those candles. We know that. But can we pause? Christian or not Christian here today? A passionate follower of Jesus or you're here because it's just a wonderful tradition? Let's pause and listen to what God might be saying to us, to you, here today. Because there is going to come a moment, sometime tomorrow, or the next day, or at least when you start to take those ornaments off the tree, there's going to come a moment where there's a little disappointment. Even if Christmas is everything that you want it to be, you get all the presents you could have ever asked for. Everyone actually liked your presents, and Aunt Mabel didn't drink too much eggnog and throw the ham down the stairs. And if no one argued over politics this year, if it was the most wonderful Christmas, there's going to come a time sometime tomorrow, the next day, where there's a little disappointment where you say, well... I guess that was it. Why is that? The post-Christmas blues or the post-Christmas blahs, why is that? Why does that happen every year? It happens because Christmas is simply a reflection. It's a shadow. It's an echo of life itself. Life is disappointing. There's never enough. Happiness doesn't last. In fact, my daughter when she was five years old, when she was in kindergarten. She had gotten some money for Christmas and gotten some money for her birthday, and we were going to take her to Target so she could buy a toy. And she said, Dad, I'm a little scared to go to the store and spend my money. I said, honey, why are you afraid to go to the store and buy a toy? And at five years old, kindergarten, she said this. She says, because I know that when I buy the toy, I'm going to really, really like it at first, but then over time, I won't like it as much. Five years old. That's profound. Because that gets to the very 
essence of the human condition, the fallen human condition, the plight that we have, that emptiness, that nothing ever quite satisfies us in this life. That is the problem. What is the solution? Well, the solution is here at Christmas. The solution is here in the Christmas story. And let me just tell you the big clue here, the solution to the post-Christmas blahs and the blahs of life is the manger. It's the manger. Now, let me explain. You know the story, shepherds were out there in the fields nearby guarding their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and it says they were filled with great fear. Why are they afraid? Well, you would be afraid too if you saw an angel of the Lord, an angel of God, but also the glory of the Lord, the glory of God is shining all around them and they are terrified and they fall to the ground. But then what does the angel say? The angel says, fear not. I've not come to bring you judgment or to bring you more fear. I've come to drive out fear. And the angel says, fear not because I bring you good news of great joy. Notice the angel says, I've come to bring you good news. The angel didn't say, fear not. I've come to bring you a brand new religion that you have to follow. Fear not because I've come to give you this whole process with all sorts of stuff that you have to do. Fear not because there's a bunch of new rules and commands you have to keep. No, he says it is news about something that God is doing. And then the angel actually describes what God is doing. He says, for to you this day is born, born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is born? What is this good news that brings this great joy? It is a Savior who's Christ. That means he's the Messiah that God had promised. God keeps his promises, and he's the Lord. What does it mean to say this baby who's been born is the Lord? Well, we've just seen the angel of the Lord. That's the angel of God. We've seen the glory of the Lord shining. That's the glory of God. That this baby who is born is God himself. What? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we've heard this, some of us, all of our lives. Oh, yeah, God was born as a baby. No, that is mind-blowing, staggering. What? God was born a helpless baby. But even that, in and of itself, isn't the cure for the blahs, the blues, the emptiness that is so often within us. No, there is something else that the angel speaks of the angel speaks of a sign. This will be the sign to you. Verse 12. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This sounds so common to us. We've heard this story all of our lives, but this is strange and this is bizarre. That God would become not only a baby, a human being, but the sign of this good news that brings great joy, that can fill up our hearts, is the baby is lying in a manger. Now, what's a manger? You know, a manger is a feeding trough for animals and some kind of stable. And I want to show you... A buddy of mine, a very favorite animal of mine, his name is Edge. <laughs> and that's our dog, Edge. And many of you know that uh, there's a wonderful lady of this congregation who trains dogs to be service dogs. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. 
He don't look real smart, does he? <laughs> He's actually a very smart dog. He's just incredibly, credibly lazy and chose the right family, to be quite honest. So Edge is very good. And so one of our traditions is to grill ribeye steaks on Christmas Day. We started that in Florida. We've continued that practice here. Even if it's minus 10 degrees, we're still grilling out ribeyes. And Edge loves, he doesn't call it Christmas Day, he calls it meat day. And he'll sit, he doesn't beg, he just sits right at my feet and he knows that at the beginning of the meal he's going to get a little piece of that steak. In the middle of the meal he's going to get another little piece of steak and at the very end of the meal he's going to get another little piece of steak on meat day the holiest day of the year. <laughs> and so Edge is there at the feet and he just, he's so good and he just sits there and he waits and he looks and he's so excited. But what happens inevitably is a copious amount of drool <laughs> starts to form and it pours down both sides, long strands of drool and that lovely fur that you see, it starts to coagulate, it starts to glisten on his fur, and then it drips to the ground, and there's drool all over the ground, and it is utterly wretched and disgusting to behold. And let's be honest, dogs, you know, come on, this guy doesn't even disregard his own bottom when it comes to personal hygiene. And this is what happens, the drool all over the place. Now imagine a manger, it is a feeding trough for animals. This is sitting there in a stable with, let's be honest, whatever is in that hay on the floor of a stable with the animals, and there's donkeys, and there's maybe oxen or a cow that has been using that manger, that feeding trough, and there is saliva, and there's drool, and there's maybe regurgitation, and it's going in there. One, I was at a rodeo one time in Texas, and I got box seats, I was 10 years old, and there was a bull that was bucking and he was, he was turning his head left and right and as he turned his head, this long strand of snot, a long strand of mucus came out of his nose and was twisting through the air, this long strand, and it was heading for me and it landed on my face and down my and it is so wretched. I mean, some of you are gagging right now. God, the Lord, the glory shone and the shepherds were terrified in his presence, not only became a human being, not only became a helpless baby, but was placed in a foul-smelling, wretched feeding trough for animals and this is what the angel says that's your sign this is the good news that can bring great joy into your life a happiness that is not dependent on whatever your circumstances are a joy a happiness that can be yours on the best day of your life and even on the worst day of your life a happiness that can be yours that can fill you up in the midst of life and in the midst of death it's there that can never be taken away and it's at this sign the angel says this is a sign to you God as a baby in a smelly stinking disgusting manger and that's when heaven bursts open 
The angels couldn't contain themselves anymore. They, oh, he said it, he said it, he said the sign, God's a baby in a manger. And the angels are so overjoyous. It says this, or rather suddenly, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, thousands and thousands of the heavenly hosts, that's the heavenly army, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace. Shalom, contentedness at last. Why? Because God has become a baby in a manger and he is receiving all the glory and praise. What? What is happening in this moment we call Christmas? The incarnation is that God is turning the cosmos upside down and inside out and the values of the world are turned inside out and upside down. And in this we see the place as we center our lives on God and on this manger and on the cross. Wow. That is a resource for you. That is good news that can fill you up over and over again because we do what? We were meant for more, but we seek what? All these false gods and idols of our life, whatever they might be. And look, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. My wife is a wonderful wife. She's my best friend, the love of my life, but she makes a terrible God. And my daughter is so smart and beautiful and funny, and I love hanging around her, but she makes for a terrible little God. If I try to base my meaning on life on her and her success, I'm going to crush her, do you see? And I love my job. I get to be Pastor Micah's boss, for goodness sake. Isn't that awesome? A lot of trials, a lot of tribulations, but it's good. And my, my career and success in this wonderful service, but it makes for a terrible God to base my meaning in life upon and all the stuff I'm gonna get. And we got a brand new kitchen we're working on at our house. That makes for a terrible God too. What are you basing your trust? What are you hoping in? What are you looking for? It will fail you if it is not God as a baby, baby in that manger and heading to a cross. That's it. And so let me wrap up by saying this. There's something here I've missed for 20 years of preaching. I've never seen this before. We know the story. In those days, a decree went out from who? Caesar Augustus. That all the world should be registered. All the Roman Empire. And so, Mary and Joseph travel from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. And then it says that while she was there, came time to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them, no place for them where? In the end. Now look, God is using all of his divine power and authority 
omnipotence. That means he's all-powerful. And he is using the most powerful man in the world, Caesar Augustus, the most powerful empire in the world, the world has ever known, the Roman Empire, and they are pawns on a chessboard. This decree that he issued was no accident. God is working and orchestrating all of these events. The entire world is involved in this simply to get this young Jewish girl named Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem as the fulfillment of prophecy as foretold by Micah the prophet, not the pastor. Doesn't that blow your mind? God, the Roman Empire, emperors and empires, and they are chess pieces that God is maneuvering just so that they can go from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. Now, here's the point. They get all the way there. Lo and behold, no room for them in the end. Are you kidding me? I mean, could God not have prearranged in his sovereignty, in his power, everything under his control. Could he not have arranged for them to have a room so that poor Mary and Joseph, far away from home and family, could give birth in this clean and relatively sanitary room in the end? But no, could God have done that? Of course he could, but he doesn't. Why? Because he is purposefully and very intentionally choosing a manger, filthy, drool, slobber, stench. God chooses that to be laid within. God chooses the manger. God chooses to be marginalized. God is choosing to be poor. He's choosing the poverty. He's choosing to be someone who is overlooked. He is choosing to be low. He's choosing human flesh, which can be hurt, which is fragile, which can be killed. He chooses the manger, and he chooses the cross to suffer and die for you. He loves you. He delights in you. He does all of that because he wants to be with you and wants you to be with him forever. And that is the good news. Not rules, not regulations, not your works, not a new religion. It is news that is so good that can fill you up even in your darkest moment. It is there for you. Even tonight, as we sing Silent Night, we're getting there. Candles and singing, we're getting there. And as you sing Silent Night, what a beautiful moment. We love it. Let it be more than just nostalgia that washes over you or a Hallmark card sentimentality. If you've never done it before, consider opening up your heart in that moment and saying, Jesus, God, there wasn't room for you in the end, but there's room for you in my heart tonight because I want that joy and I want that contentedness and peace in you. The manger. Oh. God alone be all the glory. Amen.